Wouldn't it be neat to hear another law show from the same type of attorneys talking in the same monotone voice, saying the same old things over and over again? Uh, no. This is Legacy Lawyers. On Legacy Lawyers, you get two big things. Number one, we talk about the juicy details of cases that our law firm has dealt with. Of course, changing the names and details to protect client attorney privilege. And we dive into what options the clients had to choose from to fix their situation. Number two. Number two. You get educated about how the effects of not doing planning can be devastating. Let's get into it. This is Legacy Lawyers. And here are your hosts, Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. Hey, everyone. Nathan, I have a big announcement to share on this one. Uh, Okay. You're going to love it. I'm moving in. I decided I'm going to move into your house. Make sure you're taken care of. Wow. That's right. Really? Does, well, does, does my wife know? I don't think she does. It's going to be really awkward. We're really weird. But, you know, it just seems like the right thing to do. Um, I've been reading, <laughs> I've been reading, <laughs> we're reading some uh, really great questions that have been pr- proposed to lawyers around, you know, moving in to help out, take care of your family and friends. And I just, it just always seems like a good idea to move in and just make sure you're okay. Move in and take care of mom and dad. The difference here is I'm not your mom or your dad. Oh, that's true. I'm not even related to you. But you're you're the oldest person I know, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Too low. That was low. There will be retribution in a coming episode for that one. I will get you back. No, so, sorry. Yeah, that one may be too far. Maybe too far. Um, Nathan, is, Nathan is a young man, but he's a little older than me, so I, can, I guess mm. I can tease him. So I take that all the time. So there You're talking is, about? There is this awesome website where people pose questions to attorneys, okay? So it's just public questions. They put them out there, and then attorneys will respond to them. Um, and so every once in a while, I love to just kind of go and see what some of the questions are. And there are three questions that I had to share with our audience that comes up all the time. And all three, the crazy thing, all three of these questions were posted within 24 hours of each other. So they're all on the same subject. They are all different facts, but they all deal with the same, same topic. And that is, what, what does it really look like? And what, how does things really work when someone moves in with a family, friends, parents, and then that person passes away? Um, how does that work? With moves in as caregivers or? It's just maybe roommates. Maybe we're just okay. li- sharing. We live together to reduce the rent, right? Like maybe just roommates. So if the, if the questions you're looking at are the ones that you sent to me that I'm looking at right now. Um, one of these, 
these took place in three different states within 24 hours, Minnesota, Tennessee, and California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is apparently something that's happening is what you're trying to tell us. Yeah, it's happening. And, and I mean, as I read these, I just, tons of scenarios, clients and families we've helped just flooded back into my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, I think people should really, one, it's very interesting to, I think, hear about, but two, it's, I think it's really good f- that everyone knows about it. So do you want I'm to share the f- one of them right now that the, the facts are interesting. So, so one of them needs to be read in a dramatic voice because otherwise <laughs> I don't think it, it gets justice without it. So I don't know if you're up for that or if I should take a stab at it. Um, no, I think you should. Let me, let me, before you do that though, let me remind everyone that um, we are not uh, your lawyers. And so what you're hearing today, even though we might talk about legal issues and we are attorneys, um, doesn't substitute for legal advice from an attorney that is familiar with your situation. So this is for purely educational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. That is right. That is right. So Nathan, do you want to do the first one? And then No, I'll I go- said you're going to do the first one. Oh, I'm going to do the first one. Okay, is that second, the one you wanted read no, in a dramatic way? No, that's the second one. Oh, so then I can do the first one. You better do the first one. So which one is the first one? Let's do the roommate one. Okay. Uh, this one starts out, my boyfriend and I were living with an elderly man. He recently passed away. He almost had his house paid off. He had no kids, but has three siblings There is, surprise, surprise, there is no known will. The siblings are taking their pick of his things. They have tried to look through our stuff. Are they allowed to kick us out? And are they allowed in the house without our permission? Yeah, so if you're you're sitting there, right? You have a roommate and they pass away. And then your roommate's family shows up. And they are like, you know, we're going to, is that really start cleaning out the house? Whose couch is that? We're taking that. (laughs) Like I, I, that would be a little awkward, right? You're like, well, what am I supposed to do there? Yeah. And it sounds like they have some of their own (laughs) belongings in there that the family just started digging through. Yeah. So I don't know what they mean by they tried to look through our stuff. If they were like, trying to get in their bedroom to see what they had in there or, or, but how do they know what's their stuff and what's their brother's stuff? Yeah. Well, so let me just say one thing. I don't think in most cases, well, I maybe not most cases, but the ones, the the things we hear about at the firm here are always the bad cases, right? Like we don't, we don't get to deal with the the good families, the easy families um, where they're, all cooperating and things are going well. So I just had a phone call yesterday where um, mom hasn't even passed away yet. And sister's gone in and taken possession of the binder that has their estate plan in it and is holding that hostage from the siblings. And I can't count how many times I've had conversations with family members that have said, Hey, um, mom and dad just died. My brother went in yesterday with a U-Haul 
and took everything or mm -hmm. some variation on that took everything that was valuable or took everything he wanted. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely this happens. Oh, it happens all the time. And, and that's the thing, like some people don't care, right? They're like, ah, it's just mm -hmm. stuff, whatever. Yep. Um, other people, it's pretty frustrating. So I'm seeing that more. I'm seeing clients, especially as they get older, right? They'll have, they'll have a roommate. That's another person who might be older. Um, mm -hmm. It's they like having someone around their spouse might've already passed away. So they don't love the idea of being alone all the time. They get to share the expenses, housing costs have gone up, all the costs have gone up. So sometimes it's convenient to be able to share those costs. So if you, I mean, in this case, if someone has a roommate and they pass away, um, there is that issue of now you got to work with the deceased person's family on getting things that are on the property to the right people. And in this case, it's even kind of more complicated because they're, the deceased person is the one who owned the house. It was his house. These guys were just, I guess Tenants. they're renting from him. Yeah, we don't know that from this. But when they say roommates, I guess you kind of figure that they're paying rent or, but that's not always the case. I mean, I've got, I've had situations where like grandma has her favorite granddaughter moved in with her and that's who, and she's going to school and mm -hmm. help and take care of grandma. So this could happen in a variety of yeah. contexts. Yep. But I mean, the gist here and the lawyer's response to this is kind of along these lines, like, the person living there that does not own the property, they are, they are a tenant. And so whatever the state landlord tenant laws are, they're going to control what happens here. Mm -hmm. And so obviously we know who the tenant is. That's the person living in the property. So then the question becomes, who's the landlord? If, if the person passed away, who's now the landlord? Yeah. And that's especially complicated if there's no, I mean, the landlord in a situation where somebody had done proper planning, would be the trustee of the trust, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Or if there was a will, eventually um, after the probate was filed, the personal representative could become the landlord by virtue of the fact that they now control the estate. But if there's no planning and it's chaos, then you have a huge mess on your hands. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of hard to, you know, what, what's the saying, put the cat back in the bag. Is that what they say? I don't know. Um, once, once put once, Pandora back in her box. Yeah. Once, once everyone kind of shows up and grabs the personal property that they want, it's not an easy task to get that re transferred to the right people. If the wrong people took it. Yeah. I always like the unring the bell. Unring the bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to unring the bell. Okay, the so doorbell <laughs> in this case. <laughs> so, okay, so what else do you want to talk about on this one? Like, do you have well, some interesting yeah. insights as to how this maybe might play let's go out? for our next question and then we can okay. uh, well that's good because this is the one that you said you're gonna <laughs> read in a dramatic voice. Okay, so this will be challenging for me because this is, this is not really my thing. And also the way this was written was very, this is why it'll be so entertaining. It's very poorly <laughs> written. So, so I'm going to have to like, 
assume what word they really meant on a few of them and uh-huh. insert a few missing words to make it yep. read. But but yeah, let's... You, you just go for it. You just give it you you give it give it your all. Okay. Here we go. So picture me, Nathan. Okay. Doing this. How can I sue and even bring criminal charges against one or more family members who caused me great mental pain and more? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? That's dramatic. That's the best I can do. I got No, you're going to have to turn it up a notch okay. or two. Okay. If, if at all anyone is concerned so far, zero people have been concerned. On May 15th, 2020, a narcissist and her followers stormed into my home where my mom lived. She passed away and I was the caregiver. She died in my arms that morning. I was very ill and weak. So they began destroying everything of mine. And threatened me and tried to throw me out as well. I was helpless, afraid for my life. My neighbors and friends heard everything. (laughs) And were stunned. It was hellish. To see what they did, it damaged me so much. <laughs> I can't sleep. I have no home. My mental state is in question. Nothing is the same. I am angry. Our laws suck. The people can't do this. <clears throat> Sorry, I got to take a second. No, it's good. You got to keep going. She forced, You're almost there. She forced my mother to make... Sorry, she's forced my mother to make trustee of her. She even admitted to this. I honor my mom and yet to take her ashes to see. I did everything for 20 years and they took everything from us. There's so much more to this. It's sick. What she and they have done. I am. I can't read that part. I'm 60, the youngest of 10. I'm 60, the youngest of 10. They hate me for nothing. All they took, I built and paid for. Now I'm living in neighbor's basement, period. Yeah, so no, that was good. Like, I I loved, we got to have you read something in dramatic fashion every episode. But but seriously, like, no, it was good. It was good. And we're going to keep it. Um. I mean, we did that kind of, we, we had a little fun at the person's expense, but let's, let's, let's recognize that. I mean, what we talked about before we went on is that you said, this is probably what's going on inside people's minds when this kind of a situation happens. They've, they've been living with a, an aging or ailing parent for a long period of time. They've been sacrificing they've been you know sleepless nights probably using some of their own money for this stuff and then mom passes away and all of a sudden in this case she's the youngest of 10 so nine people show up and start picking things off in the house or you know and maybe everything was above board but still didn't change how this poor person felt when this started to happen that they obviously didn't give her the respect she felt that she was due given everything she'd done for her mom. Yeah. I mean, my, 
my attempt to try to bring the feeling into it wasn't just to like mock the person. I, it was, in fact, that wasn't my intent. It was, it was really like to kind of, I don't know. I read this question and there's, there's a lot of pain here, right? There's a lot of pain. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you, you read it and you can tell like it's the result of a frenzied mind. Somebody that's under a ton of stress, a ton of pressure and they're, distraught. I mean, they're distraught. And so that is what's so tough about when a child moves in with mom or dad to help take care of them because it's a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. They, they give a lot to help their, their parents. And, and then when it ends, it's, it can be really hard, right? There's, they're dealing with loss they've put all this sacrifice and time and effort in and there's this feeling of maybe I'm owed something for that. Right. Like I'm owed, you yeah. know, my, and there's maybe some resentment to the siblings cause they maybe didn't help as much as they could have. And then the person passes away and the state plan says, okay, everything's equal shares. You got to move out now so we can sell the house and divide it up. Mm-hmm. And the person yeah, and I mean, always love that. Yeah. So, I mean, from everybody's, from, from most people's standpoints, we'd look at that and say, well, yeah, I mean, that's probably what mom wanted is an equal division of everything amongst all 10 siblings, but that's not going to change how the person who's been living there and giving care feels about, you know, that they've given more, that they've cared more, that they've loved more, that they've sacrificed more and, so nothing about that's going to feel equitable or fair to them, even though, you know, everybody else might be following the, the documents to the letter. Yeah. The estate plan is a legal binding document. It's what their wishes were and it's what your parent, it's what the parent wanted. So in a way for, for a, one of the kids to say, Hey, wait, this isn't fair. In a way, it's not honoring their parents' wishes, right? Yeah, but it's also, I mean, I'll I'll take another position here on this and say that it was mom and dad's wishes, mom or dad's wish, at the time that they were healthy and functioning on their own before they ever needed help. Um, If we had sat down and reviewed this estate plan before mom lost capacity, but at a time when she understood that she was going to need some help and that her youngest child was going to move in with her, there's a good chance she would have, well, she would have at least considered and maybe gone ahead and made some changes to the estate plan to account for, you know, the care that she was going to receive from the daughter, essentially out of the goodness of the daughter's heart. And, you know, even taking it one step further, it's, it's always, it's a good idea when this is going to happen to, have some sort of a family understanding, a meeting, a phone call, an email communication where it's clear that, you know, mom wants daughter to move in, that daughter's not moving in to take advantage or, or whatever else. Something that helps other members of the family understand the situation, how severe the um, healthcare problem is, the amount of, time and yeah, money but, and effort. Yeah. But let's, 
like I've had that. I've had clients come in and say, Hey, <clears throat> this child's taken care of me for the last five years. I want them to get the house. And then, then the next thing I say to them is how, how, how will your other children feel when about that? Um, and what I, what a lot of them feel is like, well, I would have moved in and took care of mom and dad too. Like mm-hmm. any of us would have done it. So I don't get why they should get a more inheritance because they're the ones who did it. We all would have done it. That's what you do for your mom. You don't do it for money. You don't do it for the house. You just do it. Yeah. I, I understand that you get that and maybe, and I get that too. Um, maybe I'm a little jaded, but I think actions speak louder than words. And in a lot of cases, I mean, I'm not saying it's not, never true, but a lot of times people will say that because they know that's what a, you know, that that's kind of what there's a societal expectation. There's a family expectation or to be a good person. That's what it you would do, but I don't always believe the other siblings when they say, well, we would have done that because I've seen situations where I know they wouldn't have done that or they don't even visit, let alone try to render care. Right. Right. There are some, there are circumstances where there was only one kid that was willing to do it. And it's a, it's a slam dunk that they should get more. So obviously when we have these, I mean, there's not like a perfect approach to this situation, but like, obviously when we have these conversation with families at the end of the day, it's how they want to do it. Right. It's how our client wants to do the planning, but I'm a big advocate of like, Hey, if they're moving in and they're going to take care of you, can we just pay them for their time and effort and say, that's what they got. So everyone recognizes what they did. They got paid. It's clear that what they were going to get paid. And then that way, when the client passes away, everything else can just be equal shares and it, fills and looks fair and everyone's on the same page and I don't know do you think that's not no I totally agree with that um and actually from the standpoint of if somebody's ever looking and you never know if you are or not but if somebody's ever headed towards needing Medicaid to help pay for care um if a child has been helping with care and mom or dad's been giving them money in exchange for that. Uh, Medicaid doesn't view it as payment for services. They view it as a gift unless there's a legal document put in place known as a care contract that memorializes that the intent of mom and mom and or dad was to actually pay the child and then there's, um, you know, a limit as to how much they can get paid for, for their time. But that can be an, a really effective strategy, not only to prevent these types of dramatic, painful, emotional situations, but also to be compliant in terms of how you're um, using money if ever it gets to the point where you got to apply for a Medicaid benefit. Yeah, and that's why, like, when especially when it's a child moving in with mom and dad, there's way more to it than you realize because there's Medicaid issues, there are family fight issues, there can be tax issues. And so it's really smart. It's really smart to reach out to a good elder law attorney and have that conversation and at least know what the risks are there. So I don't know. I mean, this person obviously was very upset. I mean, they want, they want to, you know, 
they feel like it's a crime what happened to them. They want criminal charges and they also want to sue for their pain and suffering. Um, and it sounds like in this, in this, this example, they, they took care of them for 20 years. So a big part of their life was taking care of their loved one. Um, I guess what I, the other thing I take away from this too, is that this is a good ex or a good um, illustration of like, I don't think people understand just how complicated these situations can be, even when there's not a care component. Um, so in a way, I wish we could bring some of our clients on and have them talk about, cause I mean, we've seen situations just like this. We've heard situations just like this. We've seen family meltdowns. We've seen families that were able, because of good planning, to work together. We've seen kind of the whole gamut. Um, and the people that are the best in terms of explaining to everybody else how crucial it is to to plan are the ones that have been through this in one form, in one form or way or another. And another wrinkle is, I bet you if we... <laughs> And there's probably there's always more to the story than what we get from this question, obviously. Um, but several times when we when I hear a statement like this, right, um, the other kids view it as no, they were not there taking care of mom and dad. They haven't worked, in, they haven't held a job in 40 years. They've lived off mom and dad their entire life, and mom and dad paid for everything for them, and they're up in the night like they and really what really what's going on is this person has lived off their parents their whole life their parents maybe you could say enabled them a little bit and now they're gone and now they're stuck with their limited resources Yeah, now they're left dealing with their siblings um, who aren't going to continue to enable them. No, they're probably done with it. They're probably frustrated by it. Yeah. And here's your share in the, of the inheritance and... Move out. Yeah, you're going to have to, you know, figure out your own situation now and be responsible for your mm -hmm. own finances and care. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, some siblings I've seen still keep taking care of their brother or sister and and sometimes it makes sense because there really is a reason for it right a disability or something well right here yeah um disability is a is a good example of why there might need to be some ongoing care but again that's another level of planning that unless you've accounted for it it's not going to necessarily get done exactly okay we better get to our last question so am I going to read this one? I, I don't think this one has near the drama. What? So I am not going to read it in a dramatic. We'll, we'll have opportunities for me to be dramatic later. But yeah. yours was awesome, I just have to say. <laughs> you um, put yourself in their shoes, Nathan, and do this one for us. Okay. You can just read it normally. The question is, I'll, I'll work on that. Is there anything legally I can do to take over the property and the belongings on the property and have to have complete control. 
Um, it says, I am a bunch of letters, joint tenant with rights of survivorship. That's how I read that. Yep. On a deed with my father, and I also have a power of attorney over him. My family and I are living on the same property, which was willed to my father from his parents. Uh, getting along has been going downhill. Okay, so relationships have kind of soured. And father's accusing me of things that are not true. He recently locked me out of the barns and the shops on the property that contains some of my belongings. So again, <laughs> other people's stuff getting tied up in the situation. It, uh, he's constantly holding material things over my head and has threatened to take me off the deed and bank accounts, which I'm on. I know for a fact that he has forged signatures for me and my siblings when we were left $10,000 each on their will. And I'm afraid he'll do the same on this property if I move back into my old house. Ever since he has lived on this property, he's let it go downhill and just wants to avoid losing it at all costs. He is 75 years old and is still holding a job and in decent health. And he probably wouldn't go to a doctor even if he even if he thought something was wrong. Can you help me, please? That's a tough one. So this, we have parents still living alive but yeah and he says his health he's in decent health to me sounds like he's in decent physical health but maybe there's some early dementia dementia. Mm -hmm. yeah the first thing i'd want to ask him is like what was your dad was he normally like this did he normally hold things over your head was he normally kind of flipping you know flip-flopping on how he felt about things and Cause that happens, right? You've got people that, um, that's just how they are. Dad's just always been an ornery cuss. Right. Um, but yeah, that'd be a good question. Has this always been the case or has this been something that's just recently happened? might be an illness process at an organic brain deterioration process going on there. This is a really hard situation to deal with because there's nothing in the law that says we can't, you know, be be crazy with our assets when we get older. You know, there's nothing that says when I'm 75, I can't decide I'm going to give it all to this stranger and get, transfer all my assets to this person I never knew. I mean, the law says that's okay if I'm a sound mind. Yep. So... Obviously, there were some concerns this person's dad might not be of sound mind anymore. He's at least getting in maybe that gray area a little bit. Um, but ultimately, is there anything he can do, Nathan? Well, so I guess that's that his mental capacity is a big component because if the answer is that he, he's in, it says he's in good health, he's still holding down a job. If he went to a doctor, there's a good chance the doctor says, yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. We did a neurological exam and there's no, no dementia process. He's just, this is just who he is and what he, what he wants to do. So if, in that case, probably the only thing we could do to help this guy is um, do something to help him get his own belongings back from his dad. But as far as his dad changing how his own property is held, whether or not he's going to leave any for his children. Nothing we can do about that. Um, If he's in fact 
lost capacity, then uh, he mentions that he has power of attorney over him. So if we could get a, a doctor to give an opinion that he's not able to manage his own financial affairs, then at least there's a legal basis for saying that the son can get involved and, and start trying to manage things. But even when there's a legal basis for doing so, that doesn't mean that it's going to be practicable or even realistic to think that you're going to go in and start telling dad what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, if, if he's clearly lost capacity, then the courts can order, you know, a guardianship and conservatorship over him and the children can step in and protect dad from himself. Right. The unique thing here though, is the deed is joint tenants with rights of survivorship. Mm-hmm. So in most States, you know, outside, which of means the, you're going to say what that means, right? Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just didn't know if you were about to say in most States joint tenant with, with rights of survivorship means that, uh, anyone listed on the deed as a joint tenant, they all have a 100% undivided interest uh, in the property, meaning they all have a 100% undivided ownership of the property. And if any person listed on the deed, any joint tenant owner on the deed dies, the remaining joint tenants own the property. They just own it 100%. Yep. It also means you can't... Automatically, without any intervention by a court or... Doesn't it's just matter. by operation of law. Doesn't matter what the will says. The That's deed, right. The deed's king. Yep. It also means that you can't oust or stop the person from using the property. So mm, That's a good point. Dad can use the property, but son can use the property because they both are owners with a undivided interest. They both have the right to use it. Uh, that was a good point, Mike. Mm-hmm. So there's maybe more you could do, even if he is just being ornery because if son has an ownership right in the property, which it sounds like he does, then um, yeah, there's going to be some legal recourse to be able to get back on and use the property. doesn't mean it's going to be pretty. No, it would not be pretty, but, but the, the courts would, the courts would allow him to continue to use and enjoy the property. So let's say they can't agree and they're, they both are like, no, it's my property. No, it's my property. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And no, I, you can't use it. No, you can't stop me from using it. So in that case, the court does have a remedy where they can force the sell the property. Um, they have a remedy where they can try to split the property in half and say, okay, you take this half and you take this half, but those aren't pretty. And so oh. you, you never want it to get to that point. Yeah. So let me ask you this, um, maybe as we wrap up, um, so in these three situations, um, at least one of them, there was mention of a trust. Um, in another one, there's mention of a will. So there has been some planning done. So they all sound really messy, um, but each one of them's a little different. One of them, there's no known will. One of them, there's a will. One of them, there's a trust. So does planning what's the point of planning if people are still going to have these kinds of nightmare scenarios playing out and what, you know, what, what, what do we do to help people avoid those nightmares? 
Yeah, I mean, on almost all these, well, on all of them, it's they had a plan. It just wasn't the right plan, right? Mm. Like, I mean, I can, I can, I can put together a financial plan and say I'm gonna, I'm gonna retire a millionaire at this age, but if it wasn't the right plan and and it wasn't, you know, set up correctly, then I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna get to that age and be like, oh, I I have half a million you know what happened and estate planning is similar like just getting a will or getting a power of attorney doesn't solve the problem unless it was done the right way and there's and there's more to the planning than just the document there's much more to it yeah and that's probably something we're going to come back to over and over again hopefully people don't get tired of hearing us say it but i mean that's kind of one of the reasons that we decided to do a podcast is that i guess the answer in all of these scenarios is the documents are important, um, but what you really need is somebody that has the legal education, legal experience, and the other otherwise, I guess, you know, life experience to be able to guide families through this kind of stuff. So really what our listeners should be taking from this is that it's more important to have a trusted advisor, somebody that can help you navigate ever-changing waters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the most important thing that you could secure by working with somebody to have a plan put in place. And that's something that you ought to be asking really pointed questions about when you sit down to work with somebody is, okay, you're going to prepare these documents, but I, I happen to know that documents don't avoid all problems. What else do you do to help me? And mm-hmm. the answer should be, well, we um, we stay in contact. We provide continuity. We meet with our clients frequently. We take phone calls and we actually respond to those. Um, and we'll be here when something needs to change or when a difficult conversation needs to be had. And that's, that's, the key thing in these situations is earlier on, way before the mm-hmm. event happened. So before this guy's dad started wanting him off the property, before her mom passed away, before the roommate died, like the right conversation would have changed the outcome on these. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't erase all the pain because some of it's just family dynamics, right? Sometimes there's just pain, but it does make the outcome better and reduce some of the pain and make sure that the person's wishes are followed. So, yeah. And I guess uh, one thing that I take from this last one is he mentioned that he knows for a fact that his dad forged signatures at some point earlier, maybe it's not something that dramatic, but I feel like people always have a gut feeling at some point earlier on before the crap hits the fan. Um, And that's the time to pick up the phone and make a phone call or to sit down and say, Hey, we got to talk brother, sister. Um, Something has to be done earlier um, when somebody's, you know, first anticipating that there's going to be a problem. The worst thing you can do in that scenario is know that there's issues, know that there's friction, know that there's problems and do nothing and just hope that those resolve because they almost never do. 
and they almost always end up worse. And the situation almost always ends up bloodier and more expensive and more painful than if you just had the hard conversation or made the hard phone call at the time that you felt like you should do it. And something to keep in mind is a lot of cases similar to this that we've helped families with that have been bad. The family's always said a similar statement to us in the fact of like, I never thought my sibling would do this. A lot of them say that like, or I never thought my family member would do this. And so even, even if you're like, Oh, this should work fine. This, this sibling's an awesome person or this, you know, or, or I can trust so-and-so this, this is going to be fine. Like, unfortunately you don't really, really know a hundred percent. And yeah. so it's better to be safe than sorry. And to just think through if you know, if, if it did go poorly, what, what would that look like? If, if this person didn't really behave in the way we think they should or would, what does that really look like? So, yeah, Nathan, now that we went through these questions, you're good, right? With me moving in. Just going to say, now that we've uh, had this um, conversation, I'll be um, changing the locks. And <laughs> I'm glad you gave me a heads up that that's what your plan is, because it's just not happening. <laughs> unless, unless there's something going on at home and you need a place to crash, <laughs> you're always welcome to take the couch if things aren't going well. But oh no, if it's to move in and take care of me, I'm good. Oh, I should have been more clear. The wife and kids are coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I'm going to give you the phone number for my wife when this is over. You can call her and and let her know that's happening. Yeah, you can work it out with her. Perfect. Actually, you'd, you'd probably end up in my house if I let you do that because she's the kind that would welcome you in with open arms. She, is, uh, she would be like, sure, I'll help you out. You need help? I got your back. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening. We hope you um, learned from this episode and it gave you some ideas on how to help your family. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Legacy Lawyers with Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. We give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with. We take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation. The effects of not doing planning can be devastating. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Voyant Legal. Call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com. And for commonly asked questions, hit voyantlegal.com slash resources. We'll see you next time.